Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. And this is the second part in the I have X thousand pounds to invest in property, what should I do question. Of course, last time out, we looked at where someone might have around about the £150,000 mark to invest. That might be somewhere upwards of 80000 maybe up to around about a quarter of a million pounds. So it's a bit of a broad range. So I picked £150,000, which is somewhere in the middle and in fact was based on a real question as well, so from a, from a, from a listener. But today we'll consider how we can answer that question where X is a much smaller sum, and in this case, £20,000. So let's take a look at some of the options we might consider with a modest size investment pot of £20,000 then. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. As with last week's question, this week's came about directly from a real person who posed the question, I have 20k to start, what would you do? Before answering this, though, I just wanted to relay three main, three of the main trade-offs that we often need to be uh, to take into consideration or to make rather when considering investing in property, and these are money, time, and knowledge. And if we have a deficiency in one or possibly even two of these areas, then we have to make up for it in the other one or two instead. So just keep that in mind. There's always this kind of trade-off. And I guess this time, the trade-off is with money. We don't have so much money with a £20,000 investment pot. And I need to be clear that whilst £20,000 is not an inconsiderable amount of money in itself, in terms of uh, some of the traditional ways of investing in property, it's not the largest starting fund in the world. I don't wish uh, to create any offence, but just remember the average uh, price of a property in the UK is now fast approaching £200,000. And with a typical buy-to-let mortgage requiring a 25% deposit, plus all the associated fees, then the average starting fund to buy the average UK property is going to be something like £60,000 or more. So with £20,000 and looking for average or better results, we need to think a little less like average to make it work for us. So where do we start then? Well, same as last week, no difference in that respect. We start with our purpose and goals. And just as last time when we looked at a larger starting investment fund, the right place to start is not with our investing strategy, but instead with our overall purpose, goals and objectives. Knowing what we want to achieve, in what time frame, and uh, and what we're prepared to rule in or rule out will make the decision as to which strategy to adopt a lot more straightforward. After this, there are some other factors that we need to consider as well. Our when, when we want to achieve our goals, um, this will govern, if you like, the speed of our action plan and implementation rollout. And also it will direct a little bit of this risk trade-off that we might need to consider as well. Generally speaking, big gains over short periods of time mean more risk 
and more pedaling in terms of the time commitment as well. Another key factor, of course, as with last time, is the cycle, the property cycle. Some strategies are going to lend themselves better to certain stages in the property cycle. So strategy timing is also important. Then, of course, we've got our personal preferences. What are they? What do we like or dislike? What will we or won't we do? There's no point uh, saying go, go knocking on doors of motivated sellers if, if we can't take rejection, say. So we need to know what our personal preferences and limitations are. And once we've got all this in mind, then we can set our course, which is, of course, <laughs> to coin a phrase, our strategy. And once we have a strategy, then we can set our action plan to achieve it. So last time out, I shared seven possible strategies with uh, a reasonable investment pot. And this week, I'll share another six potential strategies uh, and ideas to consider when you're looking at a £20,000 investment pot. So let's get started. The first one is what I'm going to call the long-term modest income goal. And this would be similar to, say, a pension, so a 20-year-plus plan. And here, what we'd, uh, what we'd end up doing is, is buying, with our £20,000 pot, an £80,000 property on a repayment mortgage in a high-yield area. And I say this so that we can service the repayments fully. In addition, if possible, we should overpay the mortgage. And once we've got an annual income surplus, um, that's going to be a lot easy to do. A lot, sorry, a lot easier to do. And then by the end of the term, we're going to end up with a fully unencumbered property, generating on average round about six percent a year as a gross yield. Yields are going to vary up and down the country, but I'm picking six percent as an average uh, for what uh, a smart property investor might look for. A slight variation of this is to take an interest-only mortgage out instead of a capital repayment mortgage, but instead set aside all of the excess rental profits or cash flow and then make annual overpayments on the mortgage instead. But careful if you're going to do this though because we need to actually set aside the money and use it for the purpose intended. And the rental income um, should be in the region of around about £4,800 a year ex expressed in today's purchasing power. So I'm ignoring inflation, future inflationary increases on the rent, talking in today's value terms. So buying a property for £80,000, paying it off as quick as we possibly can uh, through overpayments from the rent, maybe for a payment mortgage, and uh, we'll end up with something of the order of £4,800 a year in today's value. And so we start saving for the next twenty thousand pounds again, and if we can save at something like two hundred, sorry, not two hundred fifty, five hundred pounds a month, then we could buy a similar property to this every three to four years, typically. And so over a twenty-five year period, that would mean about five similar properties, albeit the mortgages would not be fully cleared until twenty-five years after the final purchase. Of course, you can do the maths, and if you if you can't set aside the four five hundred, if it's two fifty, it's going to be a slower rate of progress. But equally, it's going to be more than one property. So, there you go. That's the steady as she goes, long term, low risk investment strategy that will lead us to owning each property mortgage free in around about twenty five years from purchase. The second alternative I wanted to outline is what I'm going to call the short term income maximizer. And if you can't wait for 25 years, then we could throw ourselves into a rent-to-rent -rent model instead. 
So it's completely contrasting to what I've just said really. So here we would probably need loads of time trying to find a suitable property to pay a guaranteed rent to the owner and then sublet it probably through an HMO or short-term letting arrangement to ensure that we make a, a, an income on the difference between the two, two uh, figures. And whilst this probably ranks lower on the upfront cash requirement, it is hard work and will probably require a fair amount of time input, make no mistake about that. As a slight variation to starting a rent-to-rent -rent business, there are alternative ways of working in property as well that we might, uh, might wish to consider, but I'll probably address that more fully next week. So that's the short-term income maximizer then. And uh, the next one I'd really wanted to talk about is the medium-term investment pot builder. I've really got some catchy names for these strategies, haven't I? <laughs> Perhaps need to look at that. So we need more money. Um, essentially, that's what's going to make us look at doing this. So in that case, what we'll need to do is to grow the investment pot by as much as we can, as quickly as we can. And some examples of how we can do this are going to include trading property or flips, and the buy, refurbish, refinance, repeat, sorry, rinse and repeat models that we also talked about last time. However, in this, this situation, budget on having round about 50% of a property's purchase price in cash available uh, for it to be anywhere near effective. And you can see that £20,000 is actually quite a low starting pot to realistically achieve this. So I've got a bit of a, a variation on this theme and, uh, and that's really either to consider teaming up with a joint venture partner to accelerate the option. So club together with somebody with a similar sort of fund and uh, you could probably buy an £80,000 property and do a, a light refurb. Alternatively, we can apply the same logic to our own home uh, before selling it on or refinancing and letting it out instead and therefore releasing some cash to go again. Many investor has started with a DIY home project. And in fact, many an investor actually still does. I've heard of some investors who do this every couple of years, basically buy, buy their own home, do it up, sell it on, or, or, or even let it out, rent, uh, let it out, refinance it and, uh, and go again. So that's the sort of medium term investment pot builder strategy. Returning to more of a short-term focus then, the next one is the short-term investment pot builder. And here the focus is very much on raising additional funds to get the pot up to a bigger size in order to invest personally. Perhaps it could uh, complement or accelerate one of the other alternatives that I'm also discussing here. But here are some suggestions of how we could do this. The first one is the budget and save approach. This is where we ruthlessly cut back on all our costs and, and luxuries and at the same time look to save aggressively. Now, if you consider that Sky Television, a packed lunch, a takeaway a week, a meal out a month and a couple of weekend breaks a year could easily add up to £5,000 a year save for a couple, you can perhaps see how this could work. Yes, of course, it's going to involve some level of sacrifice and change in lifestyle to accommodate but it does practice one of those principles of delayed gratification, of course, and it really depends how badly and how quickly we want to get involved in property. The second option is fundraising. And here it's really looking to sell items of value to raise funds or to raise equity from existing property instead. Consider for a minute what's in the garage or the loft. What can you get for the old mobile phones in the kitchen drawer? Have you ever done a car boot sale? 
I remember selling most of my CD collection, my old hi-fi separates, some kids' toys and so on, for about £1,000 or so when I did this exercise myself some years back. Okay, it's not exactly glamorous, but it's going to help add up to uh, topping up that uh, that pot. And of course, you get £1,000 or so, it's another 5% on top. So relatively uh, easy money, I wouldn't say easy money, but uh, an easy way to get hold of some extra money is really what I wanted to say. Alternative, we, alternatively, even, we could look at additional income streams, and that could be from a second job, a home business, or by renting out a, a room at home. With the likes of eBay and Amazon now, it allows small business operations to be operated from home. And drop shipping and similar sorts of arrangement is possible to avoid the headaches of holding stock at home and perhaps doing all the post office runs. I've previously operated an online security devices business that turned over £100,000 a year and uh, equally also rented out a room at home for nearly £5,000 a year, just to illustrate the point here. Then of course we've got friends of family, friends and family. We could borrow from good old bank of mum and dad. We could ask for an early inheritance from uh, perhaps a grandparent or the aforementioned mum and dad. <laughs> they might not appreciate the approach, so you've got to be careful how you do this. Of course, we could join forces with people we already know and trust, which can enable us to build a bigger investment fund. And of course, we might need to pay a return out for, for these funds in some way, and that might be appropriate and the right thing to do. So do your sums correctly and make sure that there's enough of a return on investment overall to fund everything that's involved. The next one I wanted to talk about was the buy now, pay later option. Got a bit more catchy now, haven't I? <laughs> Another option here is to look at uh, one of the other creative financing strategies. And in this case, lease options. Keep in mind though that even if we buy an option to purchase a property later on, that we will be responsible for the repairs, maintenance and operating costs until we can exercise the option. Then of course when the option period expires, we need to have the funds available to buy the property, or the deposit available at least. Of course if we had the right provisions included in the contract, we could potentially assign it to another buyer for a fee to extract our return. Or we could have some sort of sandwich arrangement where we flip it on to uh, to take out the, the growth in capital that's been realized along the way. And of course, we could save up the money for the deposit too. So there's a, f a few variations that would allow us to do the pay later type of option. And if we were to do this, probably we could acquire something between one and four properties using uh, lease options, depending on the location, cost of refurbishment, the type of property and the fees involved. So it's a way to stretch our 20k pot a little bit further. Uh, the one property in this example might be an HMO, say, rather than a single let property. So that's uh, that's how I get to that. Uh, yeah, increasing the, the value of the 20k pot with only one property. But as I say, it may allow us to buy two, three or four properties with that same investment pot. That all said, lease options are great in theory. Finding them, however, dealing with the legal aspects and making them work all round is sometimes quite a different story though, so keep that in mind. And, and the final option really I wanted to outline in this, uh, in this segment was, was not really investing in property at all. It's actually to invest elsewhere now and potentially buy property later. And to illustrate, if you remember in my first example, I said we could buy an £80,000 property and then pay off the mortgage over a 25-year term. 
And of course, then we'd have an asset, and, and by retaining all the rent, rental income, possibly an income of around about £4,800 uh, £4, a year, ignoring inflation and taxes. But of course, we'd have all the rigmarole of buying the property, managing it, dealing with tenants and arranging finance and all this sort of stuff along the way. So it may not actually be for everyone. But to arrive at the equivalent purchasing power of £80,000 in 25 years, assuming a 3% inflation rate, we would need to achieve an annual investment return of around about 5.7%. So if you like, put the £20,000 into a well-managed investment fund with a compound annual growth of 5.7%. And actually, we, we might end up with purchasing power equivalent to buy that £80,000 property at what it's worth in 25 years instead. So it becomes a bit of a passive income um, alternative or passive investment approach. And uh, it might actually be worthwhile considering investing it into a balanced portfolio of stocks and shares, maybe through a tax-efficient wrapper like an ISA or even a pension, and it could achieve that uh, that same result. So, it's um, it might be it's, an, it's a variation, um, but obviously it, evol- it, it avoids rather the hassle factors of uh, running a property in the meantime. So um, you know. Given recent tax changes and that sort of thing, it may not actually be appropriate for everyone to look at investing in property in the short term. Maybe in the longer term, particularly with lower mortgage levels, um, say at retirement, it might be worthwhile considering. So that's a variation, really. Not trying to talk people out of investing in property. I'm just giving an an alternative. But keep in mind a couple of risks with this uh, approach, though. Uh, one is if uh, house prices outstrip the 3% inflation rate that I've mentioned, then the 80k won't be enough to buy the equivalent property in 25 years. And equally, if the alternative investment doesn't achieve the 5.7% annual growth that I've uh, assumed, then it won't achieve that fund, uh, fund value either. And of course, a lot can change along the way, and this could blow our plans out of the water. So, uh, you know, uh, we might need that money for other purposes, you know, goodness knows what, but tax changes, all sorts of things could happen. So uh, the best the best made uh, plans and all that sort of stuff. But uh, if you don't want a, a lot of risk or you don't want a lot of spend, spend a lot of time on your investment or indeed learn all about property, might be something, it may be something for you, just saying. But in truth, though, and returning back to the, the salient point, um, and I don't want to be unkind, as I mentioned, but £20,000 is not a huge pot for traditional property investment. And so for many people, accumulating this sum of, this sort of sum of money could still be um, you know, very hard to do. It could cost a lot of blood, sweat and tears along the way. So, you know, to, but if we want something more than average with these funds, then we may need to consider an alternative route. And that may mean you know, looking to build the part or alternatively to consider something a little, a little less traditional instead. Um, and some of the ideas I've outlined here today uh, might help us to do that. Personally speaking, I actually started with only £10,000 of my own funds and adopted a combination of many of the items that I've described above to help to, to get myself going. There will be many other options, I'm sure, that will uh, depend on your own personal situation. But I just wanted to outline those five property uh, alternative strategies and an extra one, which is not so much property in the short term, perhaps property in the long term. So hopefully that's been useful. There you go then. No less than seven different, uh, actually no, seven, sorry, six. Last week was seven. Six different alternatives that we could adopt if we have a starting investment fund of around about £20,000. 
However, as I mentioned, we should always start with the end in mind, and that's with our purpose and goals, as each of these potential strategies will suit some more than others. Depending on the time horizon, time capacity, skills and capabilities, risk appetite, investment returns, expectations, tax status, lifestyle preferences and so on. But I hope it gives you plenty of ideas to consider uh, if you're asking yourself the question, what should I do if I have a modest starting investment fund along the lines of £20,000? And so far, you've noticed that I would have focused on an investment pot of around about 20000 However, as with last time, the reality is that these uh, possibilities, these strategy possibilities, may be similar whether the investment pot is between, let's say, 10000 and £50,000. And I know that leaves a little bit of no man's land between 50 and 80k, because last time out we dropped to 80k and this time out we've gone up to 50k. But in truth, uh, we might be able to make some of the strategies at either end of that scale work. So if you've got an investment pot somewhere in the middle of 1580k, probably suggest you listen to both of these episodes and, and maybe pick some strategies or approaches that are going to work for you. Of course, there's a little bit of overlap, as you might have gathered as well. However, there's still a couple of obvious gaps that I've not really addressed. I haven't really addressed having an investment pot of below £10,000. So that would be very low starting uh, financial uh, pot, of course. And equally, I haven't looked at having something above £250,000. So next time, what I plan to do is to tackle the same question, but looking at these two apparent extremes in terms of uh, uh, the investment starting pot together in the same episode. So it might seem a little uh, like strange bedfellows there, but uh, that's what I'm planning to consider next time around. Unless I change my mind in the meantime. (laughs) Who knows? Good do. (laughs) But once again, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, By all means, drop me a line, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net if you'd like to discuss any any of these options in more detail. And of course, the show notes are going to be at the website, uh, thepropertyvoice.net. But as ever, I'd just like to say thank you very much for joining me on the show again today. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.